Blog Talk Radio. of Archivist Bets on Sexy, which is a podcast from the geek girl's perspective. And I am the head hauntress. And oh my gosh, I like was so worried. I was like, last time we were on air, I was worried, what am I going to do with the show after Awesome Con? I have no idea. I have nothing slated. <laughs> and bam, it was like lightning, like kismet, like the gods of American gods. Like they said, if you believe it will happen, and it did, motherfuckers, and I have, and ladies and gentlemen, no no offense to anybody that doesn't <laughs> like me cussing, though you're going to not like the show if I cuss a lot, but I am so happy to say we have a great show tonight, and it is jam-packed with a lot of wonderful, awesome, independent filmmakers, something that we love to promote here on Sexy Witches, so welcome to the 2017 Independent Film Showcase. But first, let me bring on my sexy witches. And uh, our first sexy witch, she's co-host. She resides in Clifton Forge, Virginia, a regular on the East Coast Circuit, Horror cult circuit and my partner in crime. I'm going to slow this down because her call dropped. Let's see if she can get back on by the intros over. Live radio, ladies and gentlemen. She is, I should have started <laughs> with you, Queenie. Uh, she yep. is a horror fan and a self-professed super fan of the Marvel Universe. You can find her on the web and see her as the feature zombie in the Plan 9 from Outer Space Remake. Please welcome to the show, when she gets on, it will be sexy porn witch Erin Marie, which I can't say hello to, so we're going to move on, and hopefully she's on air. So my other sexy witch, the one who's actually waiting waiting patiently, uh, she is located in Seattle, Washington, a visual artist, a writer for Living Dead Magazine, inspiring filmmaker and published author. She's a horror geek film to the uh, horror geek for extreme cinema she's also a regular live action role play fan she looks for her wolfy attitudes and personal writings on her popular blogs and her brand new youtube channels and find her art on her store envy page marrow minded crafts please welcome to the show my sexy werewitch queenie todd how you doing Oh, that was an awesome whistle, and that is 
okay? I hope you have something to drink. Are you okay? I'm good. Aww, I just can't it's all good. in my throat, you know? <laughs> when oh, you go well, hunting, you know, you know yeah, you're I, bone in there. Yeah. I've been hit, hitting the sauce, hitting the, hitting the, well, I'm glad you're okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am okay. You know, uh, you're okay. I'm excited for tonight. Uh, we well, I I had a lot to talk about uh, with that with wow. Aaron Marie on there right now because you know we have about a couple minutes before my guest host calls in, uh, and uh, you know but she's not online. So uh, Queenie, what have you been yeah. doing in the last two weeks? Well, I've been restarting my YouTube channel. I'm trying to teach myself to make awesome review videos. Like they're really small ones. They're kind of like mini reviews, but. Um, I'm just I'm just fiddling with things and getting to know the how how the system works and how my computer acts with things. It's it's a process and sometimes I want to pull my hair out. I don't have much hair, but there's hair enough. I think I can grab it now. <laughs> well, and you have posted a couple of them already, correct? Yeah, yeah. They have some shitty sound, but I figured out my sound issues today, so that's my little victory. I'm all proud. Hooray! You know how I feel about sound issues. I kind of right? like with the sound issues on this show has been like the worst thing about this show is I hate the sound problems I have. Yeah. Like like sixty percent of it but is what we I got, would right? honestly say is partially human error. But honestly, it's the interface is just so primitive. And yes. I'm a I used to be a sound yeah, engineer. So, and, and so it's like really embarrassing. So, but then I learned to embrace my low fineness because I figured if we yeah. all sound crappy together, it's on an even playing field. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, but I figured it's out punk. my sound issues now. Does that mean I'm not on the same playing field? Oh, no, you are surpassing the teacher. Here we go. You're going to like <laughs> go to the stratosphere. I, I should tell you, this is one thing I wanted to talk about while we're waiting, uh, is uh, we have, uh, it, by the way, if you're listening, at 9.15, our guest host, Mark Limbiter, will call in, and then right after them, right at the top of it, will also be Don Fields, our first filmmaker. But we got a few minutes. And I did want to say, I did go see, with Erin Marie, I took her and her whole family and my daughter, and we went to see Wonder yeah. Woman together over the weekend, last weekend. Awesome. So it was kind of a big deal. Oh. Uh, I still need to and, do that. Everyone says it's great. It's not that. We've just been doing other things, you know. I, I only have so many hours. I will say, <laughs> I, I'm happy I saw it. I really did. It, it was pretty darn good. Uh, and I will say it's the best comic book movie I've seen in a long time. I honestly did not like nice. Civil Wars that much, save a couple of scenes. And I hate it. I've hated every single. Well, I didn't hate Superman Returns, but pretty detested most of it. Um, and and any of the Zack Snyder movies, I just can't deal with them. I, I try to, but I can't. Right. Uh, this film did was, Wonder Woman was all make right. you feel like? Oh, nice. Did Wonder Woman make you feel like um, the way uh, Captain America made me feel like? It was so good and so in character for the the hero, like Captain America, the first movie. I this is what happened. Okay, so the credits roll, and there's the opening and all this stuff's happening, and then they go right into Thermoscara, right? You go straight to Thermoscara, oh. just after, uh, uh, and you see Hippolyta creating Wonder Woman with the lightning and all that, you know, and, yeah. and then they cut away. 
And next thing you see is this beautiful little girl, Diana, Princess Diana, running through this Greek village on this beautiful island. And that was it. I was then. I cried. Oh. I cried. I bawled. <laughs> I was secretly weeping watching this movie. I was like, oh, my God, we finally okay. got a real Wonder Woman movie. You know? It, so it wasn't scene. even that. It there's was... a scene that I – so there's a scene God. on the Internet that I found, and uh-huh. it's them all getting ready for battle. And I felt uh-huh. feels for that scene because all of them are just so badass, those beautiful women just ready to kick ass. And I'm just like, that is, that's like amazing. Oh, the, the Amazon. Okay. So first of all, Patty Jenkins managed to take Zack Snyder's direction style. Cause obviously she's being forced into this mold, which I really don't think yeah. she needs to be part of the slow-mo fighting, but she did a twist on it that I really like. And this is a spoil- semi-spoiler, but not really. The Amazons are known for their speed. They're very, very fast fighters. And what she was doing is she would slow down the action just for a brief moment, just so you can see form. So you can see what their moves oh. looked like before they smacked. Because if they went at full speed, they'd be boom, over. And that would be cinematic enough. It'd be like if you let a Jedi fight at full speed. There's just no way to find right. film that. Logistically, it's not supposed to be possible. You could not shoot a Jedi. Same with the Amazon. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to shoot them very well. But So it worked. It actually kind of neat. That, that scene is so badass. Cool. Oh, my God. But it's not I'm the most badass when I get movie. Dance. I also want to say, and, and, and this is not a spoiler, um, there's another character in this, a woman named Etta Candy. She is the Steve's secretary in London. And boy, was that the most positive female role model I have seen in a movie in ages. She is wow. very, she's, she's not pretty. She's just, she looks like a person. She's spunky. She's smart. She's brave on her own right, and she's a total badass in her own right, and she steals the movie in three scenes. And I was nice. really, really positive. So I'm really hoping that she gets a fan base where we get to see more of her in another film. Because at, at the girl, the, I have to look up the woman's name. I don't have it in front of me right now. But, boy, I was really excited to see a woman look normal. And I know that was on purpose. How did you yeah. put a, quote, quote, normal-looking person next to Gail Gardot, who is this, like, you know, huge, beautiful Israeli woman, right? You can't even hear that, (laughs) you know? Um, Wow. (laughs) You know, and and they make jokes about that, too, by the way. I mean, there's the silly ones. There's there's this clothes montage and shit like that, but they kind of twist it, you know. But I will say my single favorite action film of the uh, sequence of the year, I have seen it already, and it's in this movie, and it's The Liberation of the Town of Veld. And that was another moment. Mm. There's just a moment, like, she's just running – it's Wonder Woman running on a rooftop. And I was just like, awesome. this is awesome. <laughs> it falters it in the back awesome. half. It falls, you know, it falters, it falls into the normal, like, yeah, big bad boss apocalyptic track. Come join me yeah. and we'll rule the world together bullshit. Okay. I'm not going to say it doesn't fall into that. And it's not a spoiler either because if you've watched every comic book movie in existence, that's that scene, especially, yep. especially in the origin story. But uh, you know, but other than, but that's just a minor bitch because it was so entertaining all the way through, and and my daughter loved it. All the girls loved it. Like I said, the the scenes I could have had an entire movie on like that. Those sequences were oh, that so, so good. Cool. 
you know, I was crying. Like I said, I just, I just blubbered. I, I was like, it should not have taken this long to make a good Wonder Woman movie. There was a built-in fan base. We've been waiting since Linda Carter for the ultimate movie, and it's never happened. <laughs> so here we are. We finally have yeah. one. So yay. Um, so I'm going to bring on the guest host. Should I bring on the guest host? All right. I think I'm going to bring on, let's put on a little music. Great. And I'm going to bring on our guest host is on hold. I got a little bit of an intro for his, my gentleman caller. So hold on just a moment as I bring him on. <laughs> I love when you say my, gentleman caller. Oh, well, <laughs> I've always liked that. I, I, I know there's like yeah. gender issues, but gentleman caller is such a badass thing. It feels <laughs> proper. Yeah. You can always call well, me anyway, a gentleman so, caller. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will, I will. Uh, my guest host tonight <laughs> is an independent filmmaker and the owner of Real Splatter Productions. He does it all, ladies and gentlemen. He writes, he directs, he does FX. And look for his upcoming horror film, I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday, somewhere in the new future, produced by horror author Brian King. Please welcome to my show... Mr. Mike Lombardo. How are you doing, sir? You're welcome to the Sexy Witches. Hello, sir? Hello? 310 area code? Maybe it's Don? Okay. Hi. Yeah, that's right. This is, this is, oh, it's I Don. Was, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're energy- I I'm going to reach. Hold on, hold on. Pause, 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 pause. We got to start this over. See, this is one of these, you see, I, I thought you were my, see, I have a caller supposed to call in right before you that's supposed to help me with tonight's production, so I thought it was them calling in early, but it was you calling in early, so that's what and I love about early? live radio. It's okay. You're a we little bit early, chaotic. but right on time for us. We love you anyway. It, it doesn't matter. We're happy you're yep. here, but we wanted to give you a proper intro, so we're going to start this intro over, so hold on just a second. Welcome to the Sexy that's Witches, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta set the mood. So, um, my first guest tonight is the owner and award-winning production company Palm Street Films. See, you're much better. Uh, she wrote and directed a multi-award-winning short, Fragile Storm, starring Lance Hedrickson, which has played in 23 festivals and garnered 19 nominations and 13 wins. She's here to start tonight to talk about a special event that's happening tomorrow with uh, Fragile Storm, as along as the rest of our upcoming things. She has a lot in the pipe, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to the show. I am honored to have Miss Dawn Fields. Welcome to the Sexy Witches. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm really excited that you you agreed to come on the show, ma'am. And I know you've been really busy, so thank you for your time. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. So I have a story to tell you, if I may. Okay. It's about it's about your movie. <laughs> so I was at um, this last year's Days of the Dead in you know, in February, and Miss Stacy Pippi, who I, who is uh, uh, I'm sure you know. I uh, was bringing the, a showcase of the Etheria Film Festival of artists, and some of them had associations with Atlanta, as you do, I believe. And one of them was your movie, Fragile Storm. And so we're sitting there and we're watching it. And so far, we're really enjoying the showcase. It was actually the highlight of the independent film festival there. Uh, and, and then Fragile Storm comes on, and we watch it, and we're really into it. And then I look around the room, and I have never seen – the biggest, tallest dudes in my life crying their eyes out except for one other time. 
And that was when CBGC's closed down. I went to the bar, and they were all crying in their beer. This was, like, equivalent to that. I have never. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, it, was, it was so amazing, like, the response <laughs> that that movie got. Like, I don't even remember what the next film was. I'm sure someone would remind me, like, oh, yeah, it was good. But, like, that movie, like, I looked at my friend Bonnie. We watched it together. I go, well, I'm wrecked. You know, and we love thank you for it. Matter of fact, matter of fact, what happened was is that I went after all this was over. The concierge asked me like what movies I was watching, and I'm like, okay. And I said, well, I really saw this really amazing sort of stood out, Fragile Storm. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, poof, Stacy Pippi appears. Like, like I don't even know where she came from. She's just like, poof, I'm here. Someone say Fragile Storm. <laughs> That's exactly how she said it too. Someone say Fragile Storm. I'm like, yes, I did. I really. And then we met. And then here we are, Kismet. So uh, it's just one of those ways that it works. And I love your film, by the way. Thank you. How did you get, what gave you the idea to do this? And how did you get Lance Henriksen involved, if I might ask? Wow, that's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Well, the script uh, won my first annual script contest, which was about five years ago. It took us over five years to get the film made and edited and distributed and, and out to the world. Um, so it's been a long journey for us, but it started out as the winner of a short film script contest that I ran. And uh, the script was written by a young mom in the UK named Carly Street. And that's, that's how it came to me. She, she had previous experience as a caregiver. I don't have any experience, knock on wood, with Alzheimer's in my family, but she had had experience as an Alzheimer's caregiver. And so, um, and so you win this script in the screenplay. How did you get it, and how, how did you get it produced? And may I ask what kind of budget you had? Well, initially, you know, when I first put a call out for scripts, it was just, oh, something small and contained that we can shoot on a, you know, over the course of a weekend. But once this script came in and we, you know, initially it took place like in a hospital and in a supermarket and all these other kind of places. But once I started pricing all that out, I'm like, oh, wow, we can't really, we got to scale this down. So I said, Carly, can I just like make everything contained and make it happen inside the house? And um, and she said, yeah, go for it. And once I did that, it became a lot more emotional, a lot more intense. And that's when it just kind of took off. I think it's, you know, once it became super, super highly emotional, we had a lot of actors who were very interested, a lot of agents. And the more we reached out to people for cast and crew, the more they're like, oh, I want to be involved in this because I have an experience with that, too. And you know, it just had touched, Alzheimer's has touched so many people's lives that before we knew it, like 80% of the cast and crew um, were, were coming up to work on it. You know, a lot of them volunteering or working for very little initially um, because of their personal connection to it. Uh, but over time, we ended up having, you know, it just kept getting bigger in scope and bigger in scope, and it kept costing more and more money and more and more money. And uh, we didn't actually get it all pulled together properly the first time. But the second time around, we said, okay, we really need a name actor to come in and nail this. Like it's to that point where it's everybody loves the script enough and it's a powerful enough film where we need a real rock star to come in with a name and, and nail this. And Tina Carboni, uh, co-producer on the film, suggested Lance Henriksen. And as soon as I looked at him, I said, that's Norman. He's the one. If we can't get Lance, I don't want to make the film. 
And um, so we called his manager, which is also his ex-wife, Jane Hendrickson, which is a funny story. They still get along very well. Um, and she said, basically, you know, he, he loves the script and he wants to do it, but, you know, he's just at, there's, there's a certain cost involved if you want him. And so we said, okay, well, we'll do whatever we got to do to get the money together to get him on board. And that's what happened. And uh, I would assume, because Lance Hendrickson is, I mean, it's Lance Hendrickson, and we all know who he is on The Sexy Witches because we're all fans of Near Dark and everything else he's ever did, <laughs> pretty much. Yep, yep, but, yep. But I would think he's probably affordable in the relative scheme of things without getting into details. Like, he's, a, he's an attainable goal in many ways. Well, and, not, and I'm, not, not, not for a short film, really, because, you know, remember when we, when we first started out trying to make this, we wanted to do it all volunteer, very cheap on the weekends where like nobody was getting paid or very little money or whatever. Um, but he has a certain day rate that he started to command. And we just, we just happened to catch him at a time where he's like, you know, I wish I could work for free, but if I do your short for free, then I got to do everybody's short for free. And it just became one of these situations where we had to pay his day rate. And um, mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's even more now. I think he may be fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 a day at this point. I'm not sure, but it's wow. no, it's, it's not, it, you know, and a lot of actors don't want to be attached to crowdfunding campaigns because, you know, if it doesn't succeed, what are you going to do? So a lot of times actors now, they're actually having you make certain commitments before you can even crowdfund using their name because they want to make sure it happens. Um, so there was a mm-hmm. lot of hoops to go jump through and whatever, but him and his manager were both amazing. They, you know, were, were really great to work with and really did everything they could to help make it happen. And the performance he gave is, is I mean, I, I, what was it like to work with Lance Hedrickson? I mean, like you were directing this man, and I know you've no. I mean, I, I know you're not allowed to geek out because you're in charge. But I would still be <laughs> like, it would, it would give me pause if you know what I'm saying. Not only was I totally geeking out, but I'm also sitting here going, "How am I going to direct him? Like he has so much more experience and knows so much more than me. Like how am I going to maintain my position of authority?" when he knows so much more than I do. And so that was very stressful. And sure enough, you know, I think in rehearsals we were on the same page and had a lot of great discussions about things. But the next day when we went to go shoot, I I didn't feel like we were exactly on the same page right at the top of the day. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, how how am I going to go tell him I think it should be done this way or that way or whatever? Um, but it was one of those defining moments where I'm like, you know what, this is what I need. This is what the script needs. This is what this film needs. And I'll just explain it to him and hope he understands. And he got it right away. And he's like, yep, I got it. You're right. I understand exactly what you're talking about. And once we kind of established that rapport and he started trusting me, um, it became a lot easier. And once that happened, then he started making choices that were ad-libbed and not necessarily stuff that we had talked about, but that were more than I could have dreamed up and, and even better than what I could have imagined. So we end up not only getting on the same page, but then he way exceeded expectations with everything that he brought to it. That's fabulous. Now, I I don't want to just also talk about Lance Henderson, because there's two other very talented people in this, in this short. And I was, and they're playing the same character ultimately without, talking about your spoiler too much, but I would like you to talk about 
casting these two people in the role and how they came to be on the sh- on on your film, if I may. Well, Mackenzie Mason was involved in the project right from the start. Like I said, we had lots of stops and starts in the beginning, but she, we, when we did our first round of casting uh, here in Los Angeles, we opened it up to unknown actresses and, uh, you know, posted with all the agents and managers in town and on the casting boards and just kind of had a little bit of an open call. And she came in and she just really nailed the audition. So we were in love with her right from the start. We never wavered with her. She, all the different incarnations and all the stops and starts, we, we never doubted her or even thought about replacing her at all. But we did have a situation where it was, you know, you, you alluded to they're kind of playing the same characters. They had to look alike. And so initially we had a, a little bit of a problem with that. And we're like, well but this actress is really good. She's the older actress is really solid that we were using at the time. And we're like, well, we'll do trick lighting or maybe we'll do CGI or maybe we'll do contacts or some tricks with the hair. Like we were like, we'll just have to figure out how to make it work. Um, But when that initial attempt didn't work out and we had a chance to regroup, we held another casting call and seven days before we were scheduled to shoot, we had our final audition. We still hadn't, found anybody yet and out of the 23 older actresses that were scheduled to come in that day only seven showed up and so we were really panicking and one of the last people to walk in the door was Jodi Jarris and she walked in the door and we looked at her and we looked at each other and then she auditioned and we saw that she was talented and she got it and we're like oh my gosh we have been we are so blessed (laughs) Uh, Uh, but that was that, that was very stressful (laughs) <laughs> so it, it's been one of those hair like like uh, then then that this film has hit for you must be even more elating than just yay they love it because you went through like like everyone on a film set goes through blood sweat and tears no matter how smooth it goes someone always starves someone misses their cue uh the the, the camera explodes whatever it always happens but like with all these stops it, it and starts and these hairy it's payoff right yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, I mean, I think we had more troubles than most. Like, we call this our heart of darkness, which is the documentary about the making of the of apocalypse now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because we, we kind of feel like we went through maybe more than most. But at some point, you know, and when we first went on the festival circuit, there was always that question at the Q&A, what was your biggest challenge? And in the beginning, we all kind of just took this deep sigh and looked at each other and, like, where do we start? Um, (laughs) But then it just – but right away, even in that environment, right away, it felt like, wait a minute, why are we talking about the negative? It's like there's – I put kind of a kibosh on that right from the start because we wanted to say, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe all this stuff we went through and and share that with people. But then it just started feeling like – we need to be focusing and on the, the blessings and everything. And, and as the film started succeeding more and mi- winning more and more awards, then we kind of even just started forgetting about all the bad stuff. Um, but it is a lot like poker. You know, it's like when you first start playing, you're, you're, you're sharing all your bad beat stories. But once you become a more experienced player, you don't want to hear bad beat stories anymore because everybody has one. <laughs> Well, great. I am so glad that it went well. And I'm really like, it was kind of a luck that I saw the movie because I actually was working the blue track, which is the uh, small panel room 
Uh, and so I just happened to have a break and walk in. And I'm so glad because here I am. And not to mention, I mean, like m- myself and Queenie. Queenie is a very much aspiring independent filmmaker. Uh, and, and, but, and I don't want to bring, uh, you know, and Stacey Pippi is talking about, and are you going to be part of this, uh, creating some kind of large uh, woman-run production company and and expanding out and i was like do you have visions to do that because i know you have several shorts under your belt but are you going to stay as a as a director or are you going to expand out to more production or how where do you see yourself going uh in the next five to ten years well i've always been a producer it wasn't until the second attempt on fragile storm that my team kind of said maybe you should direct this because we had been through three directors that didn't work out and I'm, I hadn't directed anything in 20 years. I'd been producing that whole time. And I'm like, well, I guess I can try it, but I need a lot of help. I need a lot of support. And that's one of the reasons it didn't go that well the first time. Uh, but once we did get it right and I got more experience under my belt, I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to be a director. Um, so I still get involved in producing um, my, own, my own stuff, but I'm really focusing more on the directing side of it. And and uh, are you going to jump up to feature length at some point, or are you going to stick to shorts? No, as a matter of fact, I've uh, for the last several years, I've I've had um, a big budget Christmas horror film, actually a holiday horror fantasy film, um, in the works. It's called Zombie Elves, and that's exactly what it sounds like. What if there was a zombie outbreak on the North Pole? <laughs> um, but that's I, a big I, you, budget you thing. You shared your yeah. your link. You shared your link with me recently. I was going to mention Zombie Elves, yeah. so please, I'm so Not excited. Don't, I love this. I, I love Christmas horror. I'm a huge fan of Christmas horror, so go ahead. Oh, it's, it's going to be so amazing, and I have a huge vision for it. It's not going to be a, a sloppy slasher film or campier <laughs> over the top. It's really going to be a big-budget spectacle with very developed characters and a heartfelt storyline. I mean, think of it like Gremlins meets Lord of the Rings on the North Pole. Oh it's kind of my, my my vision for it. Because the, our elves are going to be beautiful, you know, very exotic elves. They're not going to be like children or jolly elves, like, what, like you know, kind of what you're used to seeing. So that's been in development for quite some time, but that's a big budget feature, and I'm not quite sure I want to make the, the leap right away from a short to that. So what's really exciting is Fragile Storm just recently won the Cinegear Expo Film Competition. Uh, we won the, the Rising Star Award at that competition, and the prize was a $10,000 red camera rental package. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, so because of that, <laughs> we decided to, you know, raise some money, go find a script, and just shoot kind of like a quick turnaround genre film so that I can get um, a feature film under my belt. So we chose a film called Wild Fear, and it's a uh, kind of domestic violence out in the wilderness thriller with a strong female lead. And we are shooting that as soon as we're, uh, we're, we're really promoting Fragile Storm heavily right now for the next week. But then right after that, we're going right into production on the, the low-budget genre thriller. Um, and that's called Wild Fear. And, and what, where are you going to be shooting this? Uh, we're going to be shooting the most of it in Los Angeles, and then the wilderness stuff. I believe we're going to be going out to Kern County, where the rap, where there's rapids and stuff. Nice, nice. Yeah. Someday, so I think, for, I remember you. Were, 
I was looking on the web and you were asking about locations in, in LA, like that looks like woods and stuff. And I was thinking Bronson Caverns. I could see you someday filming there. And that would be like, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Cause that's my oh, favorite where's, location where's in that? LA. Where's that? It's actually on the lot. It's on the back lot of, of Universal Studios in like the Los Angeles mountains there. Uh, and you oh. ever seen Power Rangers or, or yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original? Um, it is one of the most used caves. It's just basically a sea cave, but it's one of the most used caves. Like, you know, it's like that RT thing. Anyway, it's really cool. It's just a big hole, <laughs> and, and people shoot there all the time. So, so look that up. It's a good location for anybody. I, I know a lot of independent filmmakers that also like to like, like that's their favorite location, dream location to shoot. Oh. That would be mine. Anyway. Oh, great. So, I love that. No, I mean, yeah. that's good to know because I, I always prefer to shoot on a lot or on a stage whenever I can. Fragile Storm was actually yeah. shot on a stage. Uh, I, I loved outdoors. I love natural lighting. But I also understand the need to con- of control. <laughs> control, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and sets will do that <laughs> for you. And, exactly. Yeah. You know, so there's that too. Awesome. So you have a lot under your belt, and that is fabulous as usual. And I am so congratulations on how well your films are doing, especially Fragile Storm. I actually. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep like stooping pays on you, but it was just it, the way it took everybody off kilter. Like everyone was, you know, it just it totally bends you, right? You're you're going one direction and then it changes it and flips it, and and a lot of people are like, well, it wasn't really a horror film, and I'm like, you know what? Um, yeah, it is. It absolutely is because I know that for a lot of people on both sides of the, that situation, it is their worst fear. Absolutely, right there, and and uh, uh, I've been a caregiver not for Alzheimer's but for cancer patients. My parents are dead. I took care of my father's last month of life, and and you know, and, and there's the mental instability that goes along with all of that. And so I, I I totally can you know, and I also knew a few people. You know, I only I don't know anybody that hasn't been touched with some kind of disability or caregiving issue at the, you know, it's a very tough thing to be a caregiver. People forget about it all the time. You know, uh, yeah. I, I was alone a lot. When even uh, There was days where I was by myself and I literally did not sleep for the last six weeks of my father's life. And people are like, how could you not sleep? You had to, sl- you had to sleep sometime. I go, no, I didn't. I, maybe I caught an hour here or there and three in the afternoon, <laughs> you know, while wow. I was sleeping. You know, but that's it. I, wow. You know, there was no sleep. And and I noticed well, that this is also – go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish. I'm rambling. Please. No, I was going to say I was going to lead into that you actually uh, – one of the things that you're doing has is tomorrow, and it has to do with Fragile uh, Storm, and you were talking about caregivers. So I was going to lead into back to, like, why, why you're on the show today because you're doing some, a special event tomorrow. Well, a couple of things. I want to back up one second regarding the uh, Day, Day of the Dead uh, festival and how you came to see it. We, Because yes. it's not really by most general standards considered a horror film, we didn't submit to a lot of horror festivals. But it got into Etheria and then to Day of, Day, Days of the Dead, Days of the Dead um, because of yep. Stacy. And um, yep. the first time we played was the Days of the Dead in Chicago. 
And the day of the screening, my Facebook was blowing up, and I'm like, what's going on? And all of these people were, like, going, oh, my God, what just happened? Like, I've just never seen a whole room full of hardcore horror fans cry like a baby. And we're like, wow. Yeah, and then and then that's when we they did you know they extended it to Atlanta and to some other cities and stuff. But we were just blown away at how the horror crowd was was like you know accepting and reveling in our film. They were just blown away by it, and I think it's because it satisfies a lot of those kind of horror tropes in the beginning, but then it does twist on its head, and then and then you realize something else is going on. But you're absolutely right. At the heart of it, it is a horror film because what these two people are going through is a horror to them and uh, at, uh, it, at, yeah. its, at its roots it is a horror film so um, tomorrow actually we uh, had planned on doing a big online push to promote the film but we actually started it a day early so anyone who wants to go to fragilestorm.com right now which is our website can watch the film for free it's live on our site right now it's less than 10 minutes long uh, we also have behind the scenes and some interesting things about the making of the film. You can buy it on DVD. There's T-shirts and merchandise, all that. All of that is right on our site at FragileStorm.com. It's all there, and I've watched it a few times. I made Erin Marie. Erin Marie, are you there? I know you've been quiet. One of my sexy witches. We've had. Are you there, Miss Marie? No, maybe she's on mute. Uh, but I was going to say, I made my other, one of my other sexy, which is Erin Marie, watch it with me. And I was going to have her give her review, but we've been having bad sound on the show, <laughs> even for us. I'm, I so, promise, I'm not on mute. I'm here. Is, there oh, she is. Can you hear her now? <laughs> so, so uh, I was saying that I actually made you watch Fragile Storm with me when you came for a visit. And I wanted to know. Uh, um, how did you feel? Because I didn't tell you anything about it, and you went into it completely cold. I kind of figured, just depend. I mean, based on the conversation we had at Days of the Dead, that it was pretty much going to be something similar to what I did actually see. And yes, of course, I cried. But <laughs> uh, I also lost, a, you know, a couple of grandparents that had dementia and Alzheimer's as they got older as well. So it was a very familiar thing for me. Hmm. It, it it becomes a very personal film, I believe. A lot of people see very yeah. – in, it's a very intimate film, and I think everyone finds something in it that brings it home to them. And I think that's why it's hitting so well, so Miss Fields. Uh, uh, thank you for coming on the show. And I want to know, as soon as you get your next film, Wild Fear, ready. I, I can't wait. Uh, so please let me know when how that's going. And uh, if you have if you have any Kickstarter campaigns, let me know because I'll share it. I'll share it everywhere. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, we're we're actually currently raising money for both Wild Fear and Zombie Elf. So any anybody who wants more information or to get on our mailing list for any of our films, you can go to FragileStorm.com, WildFearMovie.com, and ZombieElves.com. Those are our three websites, and at any of those places, you can join any of those three mailing lists, and then we'll, you know, we'll keep you updated on the production and what's going on. Well, that's wonderful, Miss uh, Miss Field. And uh, when is there any public appearances that anybody could go see you, like a media convention or something you may be visiting or something, so they can go in person and say hi? Or, or do you have another festival coming up with Fragile Storm? 
No, I wish it's. Uh, we have completely wrapped out our festival run for the year. The the well, congratulations. The last one, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we just did Cinegear last month, and then before that, we won uh, the 10th anniversary New Filmmakers LA Award, which was great. So those were our last two festivals and our last two appearances, and now it's now we're just pushing everything online. Well, that's great, and that means more filmmaking and more time to start shooting stuff. So uh, absolutely. And and hooray! And independent filmmakers, we all like to stick together. And I may, you know, go. I, I if you ever go down to, we're asking people. There's about to open a brand new film studio in Atlanta, Georgia. And I know you have. I have a lot of connections in Atlanta, and I know that you have some as well. So if you hear about what that place is like, please send us a review because we really want to know what the new studio is going to look like down there. And um, and FragileStorm.com, I will post that on Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches page for you, uh, as well as Zombie Elves and Wild Fruit Sunraisers. You can all find them on my Facebook pages as well as our blog talk page. So thank you again, Ms. Fields. And one final, do you have any final things you want to say before you go? Anything at all? You can, like, uh, go ahead. And, and we always ask one thing. What is the one thing that you're watching right now? The one thing that I'm watching right now? Hmm. Well, yes. I've, I've been doing nothing but pushing Fragile Storm the last two days. So I guess I'm, I'm watch, right now I'm watching the Fragile Storm behind-the-scenes video. <laughs> That's what Fabulous. I'm watching right now. <laughs> Watching your own work is totally acceptable. And, and, and there you go. With plagues. So we're good. To uh, but but I, thank you, Ms. Fields. Go ahead. Hey, I, I, would like, I would like to say one last thing in wrapping up. Um, tomorrow is the longest day, which is celebrated by the Alzheimer's Association. And what they ask everybody to do is go out and do something you love in memory or in memory of or in support of an Alzheimer's patient or caregiver. And so uh, in honor of that, that's why we're, we're really pushing the film tomorrow to try to raise awareness. But the entire month of June is um, Alzheimer's awareness and Alzheimer's and brain awareness month. So if tomorrow and for the rest of the month, people could please go to fragilestorm.com, share the film, watch it so we can get our, our, our views up, Share it on your social media, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram. Help us. Our goal is to get millions of hits. We would really love to raise awareness by getting millions of people to see this film. So any any sharing and social media that people could do would be really appreciated. Well, you heard it here on Sexy Witches. We'll be sharing as well. So thank you again, Ms. Fields. And uh, we're going to let you go. It was way too quick. That half hour blew by, but, uh, you know, it was a very sweet half hour and I tend to ramble, but that's just me. I'm a very, I'm the head huntress. I, that's my job is I don't shut up. And so, uh, you know, that's part of how it works. You see, here when I ask six people, I actually can juggle pretty good around here. So, so go watch Fragile Storm tomorrow afternoon and uh, find Miss Fields online. She has a presence on Facebook, so does Fragile Storm and her production company as well. So thank you again, yeah. Miss Fields. You're going to have to hang up yourself because this thing won't let me hang anybody up. But thank you for coming okay. on Sexy Witches, and please call back when you're ready with your next productions. Oh, I sure will. Thank you so much. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So, bye. Everyone say bye. All right. Bye. That is, bye. Yay. Don, that was Miss Dawn Fields. 
from from Atlanta, but now in LA, making movies with Lance Hegerson and raising awareness for Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, and to please go to our pages, go to her pages, and watch Fragile Storm. It's only 10 minutes long, and it's worth it. It is so good. So thank you again. So we got two more minutes before our, approximately our next caller comes in. Queenie, and she's from your area. I'm pretty excited about this yes. next girl. I just finished – I just watched her movie this afternoon. I finished watching it just before airtime. Uh, yeah. So I was interested that I get it in. Oh, well, it's a found footage film, so we'll talk about it with her because she's on right now. So I'm sure you have some questions as well. So, all right, let me put on some music. I've been using uh, Hocus Pocus by Focus, which was actually from the Baby Driver soundtrack, which drops on the 28th, Uh, by the way. It's our only theatrical pick of the sexy is is Baby Driver. So I'm... Very excited because I got to see it and everyone should go see. I think it's going to make my top ten this year. So, anyway, really? let me bring on. The, yeah, it's that good. I've seen two films that really? are eligible for my top ten, Baby Driver and Wonder Woman. Yeah. So far, they're the only two. So, uh, wow. but Wonder Woman may not make it, but it's pretty darn good. I don't like to put comic books in my top ten very much. So, anyway, uh, but let me bring on the next person. So, I'm going to have a little intro for her. Well, we get this going because the sound is always fun. Anyway, so <laughs> my next independent filmmaker, our next guest tonight, is a longtime Facebook friend of mine. I mean, we've actually been corresponding, I think, as long as I've been on Facebook on and off forever and ever. And that time <laughs> I watched her be an actress. I watched her become a model. And now she's actually a director and a writer as well. I've watched her do all of these things over the years and been like a, a silent cheerleader in social media, rooting her on. Uh, she's here tonight to talk about a recent release found footage horror film. Oh, you know, La Torales. I hope I said that right. <laughs> Look for her personally at Crypticon <laughs> Seattle. And she also happens to know Queenie Todd. So please welcome to the show, Michelle Ness. How you doing? Welcome to the Sexy Witches. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for Hi. having me. <laughs> Hello. Thank, Thank you for being on the show. So I just finished watching your movie, ma'am. Yes? Oh, what do you think? <laughs> oh, well, it's... Let's go back to the beginning because it, it, I wanted to know, well, no, because we talked to briefly right before I watched it that, and they mentioned it in the movie that it's from 2012 and, and you had that idea then and, and now like, like our previous filmmaker, it's taken her a long time in 2017. Now people can see it. So how did it come about? Because found footage films are very difficult to plan out. Even the easiest ones are not easy. Uh, the way it turned into a sound footage film was actually a team effort. Um, it was originally going to be a uh, just you know a written narrative where we watched this happen, and uh, we realized that it was more pragmatic and more fun to approach it as a found footage film, and uh, from there it just. It organically formed, um, in, like you said, uh, back in 2012, I came up with uh, at least a bajillion conspiracy theories as to uh, all the face eaters 
that were happening, like the man who uh, attacked his wife in Poland and ate her face, and and then of course the Miami zombie, and you know uh-huh. there was a whole yeah just throughout the duration of that summer there were so many strange attacks that all kind of fit parallel with one another, and Oriana uh, Lateralis was one of my conspiracy theories as to why, what, and how it came about. So, um, so how did yeah. how, how did it become a fungus though? Because I mean, this is not really a spoiler because you tell the audience straight up in your crawl at the beginning that it's a fungus and these funguses do weird things to you. So, what where did you decide to that to be the uh, the, the the device or catalyst for your your zombie apocalypse? Um, well, uh, at the time we were doing some drilling into some uh, glacier samples that we had collected from um, the Antarctica and other places. And there was an article uh, right before 2012 hit about how there were samples that were related to O. unilateralis and speculations that it could also affect large mammals. And we started seeing birds that were affected by it as well. And, you know, it was, it was pretty interesting. And I was trying to think of all the different things that could have been causing it, you know, from uh, bio implants to something in the drinking water, making people suggestible during the zombie craze of like, you know, the media and people reacting to the media because something's being given to them for, you know, making them impressionable and all of that, as fun as it was, uh, took it to far too complex of a storyline where, I mean, uh, Cronenberg scanners, you know what I mean? Uh, you can do an entire mythos hitting generational storylines. But with uh, this story, I kind of wanted it to be a solid foundation for a standalone story that could bleed into other uh, other tales. And the unilateralis itself, I've been kind of obsessed about since I was a kid, and I saw what it does on the Discovery Channel. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, I figured what if it was human, and, you know, and what if it made us aggressive and also uh, open to suggestion via external forces because you're kind of not thinking for yourself. And... So, yeah, and I kind of just ran with the concept from there. Yeah, your film isn't really about a zombie apocalypse. It's actually more intimate than that. Once again, we're talking about intimate. This is what I love about independent filmmaking is that, you know, you can do the bigger things, but most of the successful ones are keep the focus and the action within a very small confined space and you do that for most of the film it's just three people basically talking and being on a camping trip so you don't really see the big scope of what's about to happen yeah with that uh, I was very um, very adamant about it along the entire way and um, it required a uh, excessive amount of flexing to make sure that the social commentary of the story stayed intact because I wanted 
the debate to be what's more scary, going through the world in the vehicle of a female's body, you know, dodging and ducking uh, societal norms and adhering to them or some monstrous figure that, you know, transforms everything about a person. And so far, most people are, they find the human experience to be the most uh, unnerving. Well, there's a lot of unnerving things going on with this this experience. So one of the funniest lines, though, that comes from this experience is comes from you and it's my and this is the one that obsessed with the most uh without going too much but your character let's just say doesn't know much about the world and it's trying to fix yeah. that she i mean she generally earnestly knows that she needs to step up her game it's pretty obvious but she doesn't know how to yet <laughs> you know uh, but at what point she does agree to hit the marijuana and her response is well i don't want to rob a bank and it's just, was that something, that's a really, is that based on something that really happened or something? Or was there a pastor somewhere that said that if you smoke marijuana, you're going to rob banks? Or is that because that, I, I was like, I was like, that is pretty funny because I could almost see it really happening. Yes, actually. Um, uh, when I was a kid, uh, one of the places that I lived at, uh, I was taken to Sunday school. And at Sunday school, uh, they showed us Reefer Madness, which seems ridiculous because, I mean, I finished that and I was like, man, those cars were cool. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so it was like, you smoke marijuana, you're going to do this, and you're going to become a prostitute and all these other things that are really bad and, here, if you smoke marijuana, you've turned away from God. And uh, at the time, uh, even then, because I had already seen so many different kinds of churches and different theologies, it all just read like nonsense to my little brain. You know, I was a little kid, and but it always stuck with me, and I had always kind of hoped to mock that concept openly and be encouraged to do so. <laughs> So it, 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 the way you say that line in that movie, I mean, it, it had to come from a place of truth. That's just, I just knew it. I was like, oh, no, she's at some point she heard that. <laughs> I could tell. You know, it was awesome. So, so that, honestly, even though it's way early in the film, I know it, it's my favorite moment in your movie. I, I think that scene is actually kind of cute, even though they, even though the guy, okay, why, why is the camera guy such a prick in your movie? Right? <laughs> Well, that's the thing is he's, he is because we get to shine a subjective and objective magnifying glass on him, but it doesn't take much mental gymnastics to go down the list of people that you've met in your life who actually fit into the trope of Keith or Troy. You've got your Troys, well, that- they are the people who are constantly accused, and then your Keiths who are always the apologists. And... So and, and also, it, it flips the trope a little bit because the person usually in a found footage film behind the camera is usually, A, the hero, the survivor girl, or it's some passive voice that gets murdered usually. So, at the you know, before the movie's even over sometimes, like in Troll Hunter, as an example of that, you know. So, mm-hmm. you do flip it, making him the most active character in the story, even though we hardly see him. Yes. That was... Definitely the goal. Um, 
what what I really wanted was for, and you know, it's it's. I'm sorry to take it to a serious note, but what I wanted was for people to be able to watch these characters and maybe walk away from it going, can I cuss on this? Is that allowed? Can I say F-bombs? I say, oh, my God, these girls can imagine. I say fuck (laughs) all the time on this show, all right? This is a sexy witches, so fuck yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. We fucking curse all the time. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Um. So basically, I wanted people to walk away from it and asking themselves if maybe they're Keith and, you know, and I wanted them questioning themselves, how many Troys do I know? And maybe come out of it being more scrutinizing of these people who make rape jokes and, you know, accusations are flying in their direction. Maybe, you know, in the end, it would be taken more seriously, which is quite the grandiose idealistic approach to being an indie filmmaker, making that big of a change. But, you know, that, that was ultimately the goal with the story is, you know, maybe raising awareness while telling an entertaining story. It's, it seems to be the theme of the night is independent filmmakers trying to raise awareness. But that's what great horror does. It's a metaphor for usually something larger than itself. So, Miss Miss Mask, I need you to hold just for a second because my co-host, my guest host tonight, finally made it on the air. He was late for more, <laughs> his day job. So let me bring him on. I gave him an amazing intro that he wasn't even there for earlier. So I'm just going to bring him on. <laughs> and, uh, so, and, we'll, and I'll give him some, a little bit in a bit. So, uh Mike Lombardo, sir, thank you for being on the Sexy Witches. Welcome. Hi, can you hear me? Absolutely can hear you, sir. How are you doing? Cool. I am doing frantic, but thank you. I'm so sorry. Um, It's ironic that this is an independent film showcase because my day job that is paying for my movie currently just screwed me yet again. So, (laughs) you know, that is the life of the indie filmmaker. I've been making mistakes all day, all morning, and all on this show already. I can't even speak straight, and I'm totally normal and sober and everything. Maybe that's my problem. Anyway, so <laughs> welcome. You're on with the Sexy Witches, and let me introduce you to everybody that's on the line, because there's quite okay. a few of us tonight. I am Liz, the head huntress, and we have met oh. before at Scares That Cares Weekend. I am yes. associate of Michael Darwin, as you know, from Dark Discussions. Yes. So I am so glad that we are working together. And then we also have with me my associate on this coast, Erin Marie. She's the sexy porn witch. You may, she also scares that cares. On the <laughs> West Coast, you have Queenie Todd, who is our, our West Coast wear witch sensation. Uh, she also <laughs> sometimes hangs with our other guests on the line, Miss Michelle Nesk at Crypticon Seattle, which is their big media oh, yeah. convention that they go to. Very cool. uh, and I, they both <laughs> attended, I believe, oh, you know how. Did your, your movie did play there, right? It premiered uh, in 2016. Yeah, that's right. So it played last year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because I know Queenie actually has seen it, correct? Yes. yes. Oh, I think so. Yes, yeah. you saw it, right? Yeah, you gave it to Also, me. hi. I know. <laughs> hi, girl. <laughs> hi, girl. quiet. I know. Hi, girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, Sexy Witches, this is Mike Lombardo. Mike Lombardo, this is Witches and Michelle Ness. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me on. 
So we are yeah, again. I am happy. so sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize anymore. Do you need something to drink? Do you need to sit down? Do you need to take a nap? Are you okay, sir? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You just, I'm sorry. The Jewish mother in me just came out. You have to excuse me. So anyway. <laughs> So, so great. Uh, so we were talking about uh, uh, oh, you know, I gotta say it right. Oh, unilateralis. Woo! I said it. <laughs> I, oh, I, yeah. I practice that. <laughs> I practiced that all like afternoon. I was walking around my office going unilateralis. I kept over and over again trying to practice it because I knew I had to say it on air. <laughs> so, um, uh, so besides this film, Miss Nesk, do you have? Any, I know that you're starting your next film, and I saw that you're doing some fundraising. Uh, what what's in the pipe for you? And where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Do you want to continue being a writer and director, or do you want to move on and be a producer, open your own company? I know that's been an end game for a lot of female directors right now. Um, well, I do actually already own my own company, which is Gloomy Sunday Productions which is mm-hmm. the main production company that uh, produced OU and Eleven Alice. Um, and uh, I, I intend to continue with that. <laughs> so I was going to say, and, what, um, what, what, but, but this company is your company, though, but you are uber hands-on on this movie. I, I'm talking about, like, like bigger scope. Are you going to be see yourself more as a producer with your company, or are you going to be more of a director? Like, what, what, is your, what, is your, what do you see yourself becoming in this, in this thing? Oh, boy. Well, um, I tend to wear many hats um, on the sets, but, again, that's uh, because I do independent film, and it requires, you know, you have to gouge your budget in order to make your film. So it tends to require many hats and uh, lots of tea to pretend like you have the patience to do it in the first place. Um, And uh, producing, uh, I'll always be producing, directing. It's uh, very particularly something that I wanted to do since I was I've been doing uh, a lot of directing, producing, and acting lately more than anything. And I'm finishing writing uh, my next full feature, which is a exploitation piece. And oh, nice. uh, I'm really excited that about that one. Awesome. Yeah, it's, I first heard the story when I was nine. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's still there. So it's got my awkward... Uh, you know, adolescent phase of like not understanding sexuality, but knowing I thought nuns were neat, especially if they wore lipstick. And then like, you know, the awkward um, teenage lust phase where I'm like, everybody is sticking stuff in everyone. And <laughs> then, you know, the adult polishing it off and being like, this could be a narrative. So, you know, I, I hope that people <laughs> enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. I know that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think anybody on this all line the right I now. Want to hear. Uh, yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't think anybody on this line actually really would care uh, about that in that way. Because, I mean, you got Queenie. Right. I know she. And then we have you know, Karen Marie's nickname yeah. is the sexy porn witch. So, obviously, yeah, right. he's going to be good. <laughs> I'm sure Michael Bardo, what about you? I mean, you have no problem with right, female so deeply, deeply exploitation. Offended. <laughs> oh, I'm deeply offended I by this. 
Uh, as we, as sure you, I'm you sure you, you know, I'm quite a prude, so this is very upsetting to me. Very upsetting. Uh, the only thing I'm offended by is the fact it doesn't star me. I will feel accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Westboro tickets my film, even at its tiny showings, um, that would be really an immense pleasure for me. Um, <laughs> phrasing. But, yes. I, I, um, oh, uh, something kind of funny. Uh, you know the deep British lady's voice at the beginning of Only in the Water Hour? Yes, yes. That's me. That's you? Really? <laughs> I you know what? I actually thought it was you. I, I just pitched, and I was like, you know, that sounds just like her, but low, because I, I, I knew you had a really high pitch, you know, a, a higher pitch voice like myself, and I was like, but I could hear that little twinge that you have, so I, oh my God, that is so funny, because yeah, you're like, and the fungus is blah, blah, oh, and then, and then I was like, <laughs> yeah. I love that, it always makes me laugh. <laughs> I had so much nope. fun with it. I was like, man, I sound like a sophisticated grown up. <laughs> my 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 radio I, I actually had a a teacher that taught me radio in high school and he always said to me, and this is what you did, keep it low, slow and sexy. And that's actually advice Ooh. to this day. He's right about narration. <laughs> low, slow, and sexy. If you can do that. And, and it was low, backed sexy. up by John Wayne, because I was reading John Wayne's biography. And John Wayne, like, would say, yeah, keep it low and slow, and you get more airtime. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> we can combine those two things and take over the world. What do you think? <laughs> so, right? I use when that I technique at the pizza yeah, shop all the time. Right? Yeah, I, I use that when I get phone calls from professionals. It's you know, because otherwise they'll be like, "Is your mom there?" Which is really annoying. And so like, you know, you answer and you're like, "Hello." No. I'm not. But I always go up an octave. Really? I uh, you know, but like everybody, I can't listen to my own voice on the air very well because I always sound like a little girl. You know, I will forever oh, I and ever. I my voice it's so much. But the more I hear it, the more I want to kill myself. Yeah, yeah I just like, sound more country than I would like when I listen like to myself. Shit. I'm like, oh God, no. Oh, <laughs> right. I have folk fry. You know, I I, I got that little, that Valley Girl lilt from my cal- growing up in California. So I still say hella even, which is not a real word, uh, but uh, hella hella hella. Yeah, so, but you're That's okay. But, I'm trapped uh, in the '90s. Oh, well, we all are. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, like, I'm, I'm supposed to be for scares and gross. cares. I'm supposed to be researching, like, you know, cyberpunk and industrial music. And everything that I'm researching is from 92. <laughs> That's the year after I graduated <laughs> high school. So that tells me something. Uh, um, so. Good times. Anyway, so, so let's get back. Uh, We're all talking Skinny puppy. Yeah, so skinny puppy's yeah. on my list. I actually. And, and Bills, I haven't listened to them yet. And there's somebody called uh, something Boy Lads. I, there's a bunch of stuff I have to look up. So anyway, uh, but you should look up my wife. Oh, but you are from the land of Seattle, which is the land of the industrial, right? 
originally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, yeah. It's, well, Queen, are you from Seattle? No, no, no. (laughs) I just, I'm an Uh import. So am I. I'm from Canada. Yeah. Ooh. Are you both Canadian? (laughs) Are you both, are you both Canadian? No, actually, um, I'm mixed race Puerto Rican. Oh, oh, you know, yeah. oh my God. My, 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 one of my best friends is from Portland and don't take offense to this, but it may, when I saw you in your movies, I was like, she looks like every Puerto Rican girl from Portland I have ever met. And I meant oh that. Oh my God. You're, you're, be- <laughs> you're, be- you're, you're beautiful and you're curvy and you have this long, beautiful flowing hair. And I'm like, Dude, she is amazing. You, you've you been a model, and I mean this because you've been a model. So as I appreciate you and for your composition, okay, so this is completely on a platonic, like, professional level, and I'm appreciating your body. <laughs> You're overthinking. <laughs> you, you don't want to get married. Okay. No, no, I don't I'm open. I'm open. You're to this, Liz. Okay. okay. I mean, if, if you ask me, maybe I don't know. Uh, you know. But, 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 but that's what, but you're going you into exploitation, so clearly. <laughs> But but that sounds like you actually might want to use if you're going into do exploitation, uh, you know, the magical leap is obviously you're using your body as a weapon and as an art form and to throw it in people's faces. Yeah, this is me and this is what I'm doing. So uh, precisely, I I kind of want people to like be completely mortified because um, (laughs) it's a. I do. I I want people to be completely mortified, like, because I know so many people, and I love I love all of you, and if you guys, I know you're listening, I love you. But um, <laughs> the idea is that uh, unless one takes me off, I'm very sweet natured and very innocent, and I I have a dirty, wretched mind, and I would like that appreciated more often than it is. And so <laughs> thank I, you. That's I'm always been my problem. <laughs> Well, and, and, and no one would know that from your current film because your current film, even though there's some subversive imagery, your character certainly isn't. Uh, she's actually very opposite of what you are describing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we, there's a range. I've had so many people like. <laughs> I, I've had so many people tell me it's like Abby is like the white Midwestern version of you, Michelle, but like instead of an atheist. Just She's all Christian, and it's I, you know, that's that's awesome, and because I love Abby, but I mean, I killed her for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I I hear you because the first script I ever wrote, I I made a, a, a teenage version of myself, and I beat her in the head with a hammer. So uh, right? I, 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 get it. I think we I all get kill it. ourselves in our art. <laughs> you know? Mike, you kill yourself all the oh, time yeah. in your films, right? Uh, yeah, I, I regularly beat teenagers with hammers. What are we talking about? Oh, well, no, I was talking about yourself. You kill yourself in movies. Because we're beating oh, ourselves yes, yes. with hammers. Movies, of course, okay. all the time. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, I oh, just said, I think it was here. sorry. I'm watching him in the <laughs> back. Say, That's right. <laughs> they say when you write, you're really writing versions of yourself. So if you're murdering yourself, you're getting something out of it. You know, it, you're getting, you're getting. I, that's how I felt about it. I read my script and I'm like, 
Did I just kill myself? I did. I did. Oh, well. Of course you I did. Now. <laughs> it's acid. That's what we what do. I'm writing right now is very blatantly about myself, and it's I tend to write, like, alternate versions of myself, like, this is what would have happened if I had made this decision, and I'm just kind of run with it, <laughs> see where it goes. Yeah. You can tell oh, when yeah. I'm being nice to myself if I base a character uh, with myself as the starting foundation, and they're evil. So <laughs> that's me being super kind to me. I'm like, yeah. I do the same thing. Heck yeah. You're going to have to get me. (laughs) Well, so, Michelle, I got to let you go now. It's been too short. But before you go, first of all, what are you currently – I'm starting a new segment when I ask my girl guests, what are you currently watching? Oh, what am I currently watching? I just finished up the 100. Fabulous. And it it was amazing. And I actually just watched the first season of Riverdale. I wasn't going to watch it, and then I broke down. Oh, and I, but it was so good, right? It was so good. <laughs> I was so surprised. Like, I know. I love Veronica, and I love how fucking crazy Betty is. She's fucking I nuts. know. Well, the whole, the whole like, <sighs> Betty Blossom family thing is like, oh. Mm-hmm. Right, that was so much fun. Yes, I'm. I'm very much enjoying it. And um, oh, he's a real blossom yeah. baby. Incest is best. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Oh, sexy oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, and, and if they want to see, oh, you know, Lateralis, where can they see that man? Actually. Um, there's something, uh, cooking in the near future. Um, I don't want to say too much cause I don't want to jinx it, but mm-hmm. you know, if there's, uh, everybody who wants to see it, please say that you want to see it. Come to the Unilateralis, uh, fan page. Say, I want to see this movie, please. And, um, <laughs> that will definitely help the, uh, people that I'm speaking to uh, about potential distribution, um, nice. so it, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, but it, I'm, you know, it's show, cheerlead, you know, healthy cheerleaders and it'll be oh, more yeah. likely otherwise, um, select private screenings and the likes. Um, and, uh, also, uh, journalists have been able to watch screeners, of course. So it, it's been a very like Cartman's amusement park with this film like I made this movie but you can't watch it so I'm actually really amazed <laughs> at the publicity it's getting and the ratings like yeah. on Ganaxon it was rated the all time best found footage film which blew my mind nice. I don't even know those people and yet <laughs> you know I was just like holy hell this is nice That's fucking awesome. right and congratulations <laughs> on that so and, mm-hmm. and please let's let's you can find Michelle Nesk in uh, at Crypticon, hanging around the local media conventions, and <laughs> hopefully shooting her next movie. And uh, is there any place where they can find you personally on the webs, or uh, where, where's your interwebs contact information, ma'am? 
Uh, you can find me on IG, um, Michelle Nesk. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Zemonsta or Mnesk. You can find me on Facebook with my goofy spelling that Facebook won't let me fix, which is me, space shell, space Nesk. And, um, yeah, otherwise I kind of, I make the movies and I don't, you know, um, do the website thing. I have one. It's just, it's all scaffolding right now. Um, also, I, I don't uh, even every, do, I just use my social media. I don't even have a real website because right? yeah, I'm always man. on Facebook anyways, right? Totally. Also, uh, if you come to CryptCon, uh, I run the showcase Horrors of the PMW, um, and that's where we feature uh, independent uh, filmmakers from the Pacific Northwest, and then we usually have a tourist uh, uh, attraction short where people from outside of the United States or other places are featured, and the winners uh, starting this year will be featured on I Bleed in the and The Bloodshed, which I'm co-owner of. Oh, great. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, this was wonderful. Thank, thank, you. thank you for being on the air and come back on when you have some updates on your career, whatever you're doing next. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you just want to chat, please, Queenie and I will always chat with yeah. you. So come on. Especially if you're in next. If you want to talk. <laughs> I, I love talking, meeting our own uh, personal selves with hammers and turning us into zombies with each other. That was wonderful. And and I'm going to let you hang up now, sweetie. I can't hang you up because they don't let me do that here. Oh, sexy okay. I love you. Bye-bye. Love Bye. you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. That was Thank a pleasure. Thank you for being on. So I loved Michelle Nesk, and thank you for being on the show. Yeah. I'm going to make sure I say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, and don't forget to go on her website and make sure we say, we want to see this movie. Yeah, so she's Help her get distribution. Fingers crossed. She's in that. My friends are often, I know where she's at. Like, like they're at that point where it's like, oh, my God, we're right close to it. But, you know, distributors don't like to always bite. They just need one little push, and she needs that push. So let's give her that push. And don't forget to watch Don Fields, our previous director that was just on her showcase tomorrow for the Alzheimer's Awareness Month um, here in June and the Fragile Storm. So before we get to our next caller for the top of the community calendar, and this is June, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of shit going down throughout the United States. Let me welcome officially my very late, late co-host. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll forgive him because we love him and we know he was at his day job and his day job was just not letting him go. That happens sometimes. But but please welcome to the show again, Mr. Mike Lombardo. How are you doing, sir? Oh, howdy. Thank you. Again, yeah, I know you said well, don't apologize you. anymore, but I apologize. <laughs> I don't apologize, but I didn't. I wanted. I had this awesome intro that I read for you, and I'm not going to go through it again because I already read it for you, and it was awesome. So maybe I'll cut it out of order uh, and put it back in. <laughs> but I do want to say one of the things I said about you uh, was that because you also are an independent, aspiring independent filmmaker. And a lot of us, like I said, it scares the cares are very scared of you because we can see that you're going to go on. You are extremely talented and you're going to probably like it's going to be the, 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 the students, the past, the teacher <laughs> kind of the situation. <laughs> so, um, so please tell me about your, your collaboration with Brian Keene, of all people. He's a, a relatively famous horror author. <laughs> and uh, 
and uh, yeah. you have a film that you're working on forever and ever, like the rest of us. It's I'm Dreaming mm-hmm. of a White Doomsday, which is a yes. another, oh, good, Christmas horror, which I, like I said, mm-hmm. I love Christmas horror, love Krampus, love all of those black, black Christmases. We're all really into Christmas horror here. So please talk about your movie while we're waiting. Um, so I'm Dreaming of White Doomsday was uh, based on a short story I had published back in 2000. I want to say 2012. Um, it is, That's the uh, third time that an, number has come up today, by the way. All of, the, all of the, the last two people said 2012 as well, just so you know. Maybe the world really did end then, and this is all just uh, the afterlife for us, the Mayan calendar and well, all that. Something to think about. I mean, Y2K, you know. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, uh, then, then, then heaven and hell is the same thing because I'm – basically doing the exact same thing. I oh, I just got out of my day job. Right? I can totally attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but, so, but this isn't your day job. No, this is not my day job. I work on the movie stuff every free moment I have, um, which I think is a pretty common thing amongst other independent filmmakers, unfortunately. Um, that's why the movie's <laughs> been taking so long. So we actually shot it. This is... We've been working on this for two years now. This is when it's coming up. But we are almost finished. Hopefully by August it will be done. Um, but it's uh, – so it's published – the short story in a, a Very Strange House Christmas was the, was the uh, anthology. And it's funny because that book uh, is mostly bizarro stories and, like, funny kind of gross-out stuff. And then my story is, like, ultra dead serious and very depressing. My favorite review for it was someone said after they read it they wanted to slit their fucking wrists, and that's a direct quote. So that was pretty nice. Um, but I decided that I was going to adapt it as a film um, because I'm insane. And I was like, oh, I can do a post-apocalyptic movie with no money. So that's where the pizza shop comes in. And uh, a lot of very, very generous, awesome folks that threw some money in and people that donated their time and efforts. And uh, we've got our Real Splatter's first feature uh, under our belts now or soon to be under our belts. I guess. Um, so, so are you starting but, the festival circuit with it yet? Um, well, we have to finish the movie. We're doing sound right now. Actually, the last two days, the reason I got stuck at work late, ironically, is because I had to take off yesterday, yeah, Monday, so I could work on the sounds. Pulled 24 hours in two days of sound design work, so my punishment was pulling a double today. Um, but we are almost done with sound, and then we just have color and uh, color grading, and then music. So like I said, we're hoping well, for August, and then I want to try to hit the festival circuit. Um, not sure where. I haven't looked at any of the deadlines yet because I don't want to. I'm already like on the ledge, and I don't need to uh, to get any more pressure on me, or I might just jump. So it'll uh, it'll be done when it's done. It's <laughs> the piece I've made. Well, but but I I know people that have seen a, a rough cut of this film already. Um, you've showed yes. it to a, couple, a select few people, and so far, yes. no one is. Everyone, the buzz has been pretty good on it. I, I'm sure you've been hearing the your feedback's been pretty positive, and I'm, I'm sure that's good. Uh, yeah, that definitely helps. Uh, it helps me sleep at night that people seem to watch it. <laughs> um, so far, the people that have seen the various incarnations of the rough, um, the one thing that's pretty common is by the end of it, almost everybody's in tears, which is good. Um, so it's a very, very sad movie. It is not oh, well. a, uh, it is not a romp, uh, like a, a fun filled slasher movie romp. It is, 
the, the synopsis, the plot is it's about a mother and her seven-year-old son starving to death in a bomb shelter um, after the apocalypse. Um, and it's a Christmas oh. movie. I'm billing it as Miracle on 34th Street meets the road. So. I was going to say, uh, I was thinking the road, but I was also thinking, oh, it sounds like a post-apocalyptic grave of the fireflies. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh, my God. Uh, it the, the, oh, my God. Okay. It's it's Miyazaki. I know you know who Hayao Miyazaki mm-hmm. is, right? Yeah. Okay. It's like a third, third feature, and it's nothing like any – all this stuff is awesome, right? It's like flying planes and steampunk and like science fiction – not this one. <laughs> this one is about a brother and her, his little uh, little sister that lives in a sewer pipe after the bombs blow up Hiroshima and they slowly starve to death. Wow. It's a, it's a, it's that a family like film. sounds like something up my alley. Yeah. yeah I mean, what no, it is legitimately serious. very much a family film. Um, it is mostly about the relationship between his mom and his little boy. Um but I actually wrote the story, um, I guess a little bit of backstory, but the, the reason this came to be, uh, in 2012, yeah, 2012, uh, my mother was diagnosed with um, kidney failure. So she was in the, we, she went, got admitted to the ICU for about six or seven months and was very dicey. She fortunately came out of it, but during that time, to keep myself sane, I wrote the story, which essentially boiled down to watch someone you care about slowly fading away and being powerless to help them. And that's where the genesis of it all came from. So it's a really, really personal story. And the movie, like it, it, like I said, it's a rough movie, um, but it's not it, – it has a lot of heart to it. It has a lot of, like, family stuff in it, I think. I'm not really sure how horror fans are going to react to it, honestly. Um, I'd honestly say it's more like a very, very, very dark drama with a few horror elements sprinkled in it. Um, but it's certainly not comedy because my everything else I've done with Real Splatter has been horror comedy. So everyone is expecting this to be really funny, especially because the trailer had Santa Claus in it. And I, I can't stress enough that you are not going to be laughing when you watch this movie. At least I hope not. If you are, then I did my job very poorly. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you know, maybe they're laughing with you. Let's think of it that way. Yeah, I I, 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 so, but <laughs> uh, yeah, well, awesome. We have one more caller tonight, and this is the top of the community calendar. Which, which, by the way, um, Mike, since you were guest hosting, I didn't get a chance to tell you because of the whole thing. But what we do after we do our interviews, we do something called the community calendar here, and we as quickly mm-hmm. as we possible, we try to list off all the shit that's happening all over the United States, all the cool stuff. However, my list mm-hmm. is always still longer than I should have it. But anyway, but first things first, so we're going to bring on our last filmmaker because he actually has a pre-order deal, and you can now finally get his movie. He was on uh, about a month ago, uh, last year for my August. We do Animation August. After Scares It Cares, I do two easier shows to recover <laughs> before the madness. Because I have my big Halloween thing, and this year is even bigger. This is my 10th year of my Halloween horror movie marathon madness. Oh, my God, it's big, it's big, it's big, and I'm a week behind on that work. But anyway, I digress. Uh, but uh, so uh, we talked about one of my favorite subjects with this gentleman, uh, stop animation, which is what his film is. Uh, this is the director of uh, Dogtown of Kilo Company, which I saw at Days of the Dead two years ago. And pretty soon, the new film, Belly Timber, which is a period cannibal piece. Uh, so please welcome to the show, uh, back to the show, Mr. Bobby Easley. How you doing, sir? Welcome back to the Sexy Witches. 
How you doing? How you doing, sir? You know, we were very, very happy to hear your voice, especially Erin Marie. Oh, yeah. Thank you so, That's what thank you so much for having us back. <laughs> so I hear rumor that your film is finally coming out. Yes, it is. We, uh, so have, how, did, uh, how did that go? Well, we've had a couple screenings, and we've uh, submitted to several film festivals around the world and gotten some really great response and looking forward to some screenings. Uh, New York, Malta, Moscow, Malta. Austria, and uh, Switzerland, Geneva, Switzerland. And so Mos- we're really excited about that, and we're kicking this pre-sale off, getting ready for Days of the Dead. So excited. So are are you showing um, your film at Days of the Dead, or are you just going to have a presence there? We lost you, dude. Either that or you turned into a robot. No, it sounds like the the Terminator's on the line, though. Bobby Easley, you just turned into the Terminator. We couldn't understand a word you say. Um, If you can hear us, you might want to... I can kind of hear you. What is up with tonight? I'm not even doing any of this. This is totally like just weird things. Um, so I guess sure he shouldn't be talking someone? about his. Uh, I wonder if his if he shouldn't have mentioned the Moscow screening because he's going to Russia. Yeah, that's it. Russia's Russia, trying to like uh, scramble him uh, now. Mr. Beasley, sir. I can I can hear him say scrambling. I can kind of hear you. Okay, we're excited. I think you should hang up and call back, sir. Hey, Mike Liberto, what are you watching right now? Um, I am currently watching the Scream Factory Blu-ray of Serial Mom, uh, the John Waters film. Fabulous! It's one of my favorite movies. Yep, I actually have them staring at my signed copy right now of the old DVD from John Waters, one of my uh, prized possessions. Uh, so you're a John Waters fan like I am? Huge, huge, huge John Waters fan. Love him. I, Big inspiration I, to me. Uh, me too. I could listen to that man talk for years. Like, it's cool. Oh, oh my okay, God, so yes. Let's see if I can bring so, so how are you liking the Blu-ray? Um, It's excellent. Um, I just watched the one commentary, and I watched some of the behind the scenes. It's There's very cool. Bobby. One of my favorite movies. Can you hear me? Fabulous. Yes, yep, you're I can back. hear him now. Oh, Yay! great. Awesome. What was that about? Like, it sounded like a robot had taken you over, sir. Wow. It just well, sounded I'm back like now. maybe. Uh, um, I mean, you, 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 you are kind of like, like large in stature, but I don't think you are an android. <laughs> I, I haven't yeah. tried to burn your exo. I, I haven't tried to burn your exo shell out, but, uh, you know, that's not very polite during a media convention to try to let, light the directors on fire. So, you know. Well, can you play <laughs> the flute? That's awesome. I love this show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going off on tangent. So, so let, let's get, let's take it back a notch now that you're back. Um, how is I, I look at my signed Belly Timber poster every day, going, "Where is this movie coming out?" So, do we have any word on Belly Timber? 
Well, uh, I'll let you speak. To, uh, we have our director of photography and our post-production supervisor, Brian Neal, here. Everybody welcome him. Yay, that's why right. you said that. Right. I'm so glad you're listening. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, we are um, officially announcing our uh, world premiere here in Indianapolis, um, actually just outside of the city in, at the Royal Theater in Danville um, on uh, August 5th. Uh, tickets will be available through Eventbrite. Check uh, the Belly Timber Facebook page. <coughs> Excuse me. Congratulations. And I also know you just screened with a great lineup at the Salt City Horror Fest a month ago. Yes, we had a uh, very successful test screening there. Uh, How was it like for you guys to be, like, in the company of all all those really caliber films to go with it? I mean, they were showing some great stuff with that. Um, it's really unbelievable. We were the only independent film at the festival. Yeah, and and there were some heavy hitters there, too. Yes, The Mutilator, uh, Buddy Cooper, special effects on that was there. Richard Band was there. Brian Usna. uh, Brian Usna from From Beyond and all the reanimator. He he produced Dolls. He produced yeah. Dolls. Dolls is one of my all-time uh, favorite Warlock. movies. Society. Warlock movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my well, God. I, 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 go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Brian, uh, really cool guy. David Naughton uh, from oh. Werewolf, American Werewolf in London American was there. American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jeff Meyer is a really great guy. I don't know uh, if you know him, but he puts that show on every year. And last year they had Friday the 13th and The Warriors. They screened that. Uh, the Shining, Event Horizon. These are all like 35 millimeter prints and stuff. It's crazy. Oh, they also I, had I, Jason. Well, uh, they screened Friday the 13th Part 6 and with Spanish subtitles, 35 millimeter prints. Nice. I think I I happened to be in Niagara Falls while you were in Salt City, and I couldn't get to you. And I all day I'm like, oh, his screening started. Oh, I wonder how Billy Timmer's doing. Oh, I bet you it's doing great. I was thinking about you, and it was like it was just funny because I was like I was like so close yet so far from you. Uh, so, um, wow. So do you have? Go ahead. I think the coolest thing was John Dugan being there and we were, he did the Q and a before the 35 millimeter print of Texas chainsaw. And that theater is huge. So that thing on the screen with all the cracks and bubbles in it was just awesome to watch. It was a total driving experience. So now that we we and now I'm not going to go into like the making of Devil Dogs the Kilo Company because they can go back to our show in August of 2016 and listen to because we talked quite a bit about that and please do so you can always download any of our episodes to your phone on Stitcher and iTunes and on Blog Talk and um, but but now that it's coming out and we do want to remind people that the voice actors are Kane Hodder and Bill Mosley for your movie. Who else was in your movie, sir? 
uh, John Dugan, Grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, we had Bill Anselmo, uh, singer of Pantera and Down, Super Joint Ritual. Um, Marshall Hilton, he is a well-known uh, B-movie actor out in L.A. He's been in all sorts of Power Ranger films and Mrs. Doubtfire, just a ton of stuff. Um, we also had Solon Sangaris, uh, who's in My Uncle uh, John is a Zombie. He's an awesome author out in New York. I don't know if you've met Solon before, but um, Mike Christopher from uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, he was the hair Krishna zombie in that one. Paul Thomas, yeah, Circle City Band. Uh, Paul used to work on some of the old porno movies back in the 70s, uh, actually the like, early 80s. Yeah, uh, so we got a lot of awesome, awesome people that we worked with. Uh, and we had some Germans from uh, Germany that are pretty famous over there in their music uh, circles. Frank Banks is the bass player from Angel Dust. They were really huge back in the 80s power metal group. But, yeah, he's, uh, he voices one of our Germans in it. And, and oh, so also, caliber voice work. Go we ahead. also have Bill Levin. He is the founder of the Church of Cannabis, the first Church of Cannabis. I don't know if you've seen him all in the news and stuff, but... He's from Indianapolis, great guy. He's been in our other films, All Sinners Night and all that, and he worked out perfectly for a general in it. So if they want to pre-order uh, Devil Dogs of Kilo Company and see your stop animation army uh, film, army fantasy film, that's how, it's kind of like the Dirty Dozen, So it's not, or like Inglorious Bastards. It's not really based on anything real, but it's, a, it, it's something like you'd watch in the 50s or 60s. You know, like you root for the home team kind of a film. So where can they find this movie? Um, they can find it um, at the Devil Dogs of Kilo Company dot com. Uh, we have four different packages. Um, our general package is our big package that includes a um, a limited edition comic book um, drawn by um, the director himself. Um, and also a limited print of the poster, the a limited poster of the comic book cover, um, a set of dog tags, a set of trading cards, a group of army men, a kitchen sink, a, yeah, a t-shirt. <laughs> A copy of the Blu-ray, of course. I think I got everything. If I missed anything, it's it's definitely listed there. And then we have th uh, three other packages, um, including one that is just the Blu-ray by itself. Well, great. So I will post that on my Facebook pages as usual. And, you know, please look them up. They're easy to find on the web and ghosts. And we now know there's a premiere of Belly Timber on August 5th outside Indianapolis. Congratulations we'll talk on that as well. And I can't wait to finally see the finished product. So thank you, sir, for being on the show. If you, both sirs for being on the show. I keep forgetting there's two of you online. It's very it's cool. I'm so happy to hear from both of you and 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 I hope to see you if I don't see you at this stage of the dead, I hope to see you at one in the near future. Thank you much for having us. No problem. So thank you. I love your show. Thank you so much for having us.
Oh, thank you for being on the show. And I need to get a blast from you at some point near future, Mr. about that. But we'll talk about that later. Yes, yeah, sure, please. I will be messaging you later on this evening. All right. Much love. So thank you, gentlemen, for being on the air. So that's two, our, two more of our lovely Jennifer and callers. Go ahead and hang yourself up when you're ready to, folks. So thank you. All right. Thanks. So thank you. So that was uh, two wonderful people. That was Bobby Easley and his associate on the show. Uh, thank you guys for both being on the show. It was wonderful. And, Mike, I know it's been kind of awkward because you came out late, but I'm so happy you're on. And we still oh, have, no, like, about tw- we have, we still have 20 minutes. So if you want to join okay. us for the, um, the fu- well, for the fun part of the show where we oogle what other people are doing that we don't have time to do, uh, would you like to be part of our community calendar segment? Um, sure. What do I need to do? All right. Well, we just kind of I, – I read off something, and then we talk about it, and we go, oh, wow, I want to see that guy, or oh, I've seen him before, or whatever. It's very, very loose. Um, I, this Today I broke it down because there's so much going on in priority of what I want to talk about. And the first three things I want to talk about are media conventions, which we all are very familiar with. So we know what a good media mm-hmm. convention is all about. So let me bring out the community calendar bag. Are you ready? It's very large. It has zombies in it sometimes. So, um, Sexy Witches. We have the two. We have three media conventions happening over because we're actually going to take a, a a couple extra weeks off with the Fourth of July falling. It's going to be like a three week hiatus instead of a two week hiatus. So I have to go quite a far. What was that? Okay. Anyway, like sounds. Go ahead, Mike. What's up? Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to say though. The, two, the three of them that are, are listed, one is the 623, another 630, and then the 7-7. So they're all on different weekends. So you could actually conceivably hit all three if you were insane. But um, they're all good. And I wanted to tell you that these are awesome. And the first one I want to talk about is actually a classic horror media convention. And it's um, 623 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania has been rocking down the media conventions lately. They just had Living Dead convention at the Monroeville Mall and had the anniversary mm-hmm. of the Dawn of the Dead premiere. Uh, you know, so they do all sorts of awesome things. But this one's really cool because it's called the uh, Monster Badge Conference, and it's the classic Monsters Horror Sci-Fi Expo, and it's in North Pittsburgh. And what it, the headliners are awesome, okay? Because it's Rico, Rico Browning, who was the last living creature of the Black Lagoon, but this is what got me. They somehow got Bert I. Gordon, uh, the director of Earth vs. Giant. I didn't even know he was still alive, but see, that's his thing. Um, yeah, Bert I. Gordon, look at his resume. He's on every cheesy film that you've ever heard of in the 50s. I mean, this is an icon. And on top of that, my fellow horror hosts are going to be there. Um, Mr. Lobo, who's been on the show, and uh, Aaron Marie worked with in Plan 9 from Outer Space. And um, recently, brand-new Ronda winner G. Graves will also be there. He's a friend of the Sexy Witches. So really awesome event in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, but, but, of course, my heart goes to 6.30 and the next weekend because as we were talking about with Bobby Easley, uh, Days of the Dead Indianapolis drops. 
which is, you know, Days of the Dead is one of the ones that I end up usually, I did um, the, my first panels. Well, my first panel was last year at Scares the Cares. They invited me to do the 400 Years of Mary Shelley panel. I was very honored. And because I did mm-hmm. that panel, Days of the Dead offered me to, to be on, asked me to be on two panels on their new blue track, which was the subtrack hosted by Nathan Hamilton. And he's doing that again. For Days of the Dead Annapolis. So um, the headliners this year are George A. Romero, uh, Sting the wrestler, not the musician, uh, Matthew Lillard, who, even if you don't like Matthew Lillard, but here we are, Serial Mom, Matthew Lillard. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I was just watching interviews with him. It was his first movie. Yeah. Matthew Lillard is very good one of it. us. Oh, he is very good in it, and he is one of us. I've ever, even if you're not a fan of Matthew Laird, go watch him at a, a horror convention. He is so much fun. He gets it. He's around. He's like Kane Hodder. He's everywhere at, at once, and he's just all over the place. Yeah, he doesn't miss a single signature for people. He's awesome that way. Um, also, uh, Dee Snyder is going to talk about Strangeland while he, um, at Days of the Dead. Um, and, and guess what? And so is Kane Hodder. He's there as always. Uh, so it, it's always a good time. Days of the Dead, I do warn people, there's heavy shenanigans at that particular media convention. And when I mean shenanigans, I mean shenanigans. So be prepared. Get your strength on. Do your, do your sit-ups and your push-ups. Get your tolerance for high level of alcohol ready because Indianapolis <laughs> might not look like it, but it knows how to convention. It can throw down. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, all of us have dealt with Indianapolis conventions in some way. I know Queenie did Gen Con, so she knows they can yep. throw down. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, I've done horror hound. Horror hound, they can throw down. So yep. you know, you got to be ready. Like I said, that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, like that's one of the reasons why I like scares it cares because boy, is it nice and mellow compared to some of these other ones. So well, it depends uh, on where so. it scares the chair you are. Uh, Edward Lee's going to be here again this year, and the last time he was there, me and him closed out the bar till five in the morning. And it's got oh, a I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that we don't throw it down at Scares That Cares. I mean, we do. I don't know. We throw what, it was down. this last year or year before last? <laughs> uh, you know, but but you know, but but comparatively, like like it's that's not, there's a day drinking element to the Days of the Dead that I've only seen at those particular conventions. I I can't explain it other than that. Um, so, and and not to say the thing doesn't run, fall apart. It doesn't. It runs smoothly like a top, and they earn their. You know, it's just it's a lot of fun. I have a great time at all these conventions, anyways. And I'm always honored when someone invites me to come to one. Uh, so, uh, moving on to if you want to like those are the cool horror conventions around. But on seven seven we have one large mon- one large Comic Con, and this is up in Montreal. So. Canada is throwing it down, and you know, okay, so I just went to AwesomeCon here in D.C., which is our large comic book convention, and our headliner was David Tennant. Um, so is this one. This one's also David Tennant. Uh, David Tennant, I am not a Doctor Who fan of his, even though I've seen some of his episodes. Um, I'm actually an old-school Tom Baker fan. I love that old-school stuff. Uh, I love the cheese of it. I love the writing of it. I love Tom Baker, um, but... Um, 
David Tennant's panel was fabulous. I would say even if you're not a fan of David Tennant, it's worth going to see his Q&A. He was smart, intelligent. He understand, he, he's an act, you know, he, he just knows how to talk. They had, when we did it, they had, this was brilliant. The moderators on the, of, of his panel were two real astrophysicists who did a talk right beforehand uh, to uh, talk about how time actually works. And it turns out that a lot of the elements of, the, of David Tennant's particular Doctor Who time lore that he's talking about are actually pretty close to the truth. Like there's actually some plausibility in some of Doctor Who's statements. And, and it, I, it was a really fun panel. I, I would highly recommend going to see David Tennant at the Montreal Comic Con. And he's just the tip of the iceberg. Okay, so if you want to geek out uh, and you can afford it because – Nobody can afford. I couldn't even afford scare, uh, uh, Awesome Con, and I was there. Uh, so uh, Patrick Stewart is also going to be there. Nathan Fillion, John Rice Davies, Jason Isaacs, hello, uh, Kevin Sorbo, Adrian Barbeau, fuck yeah to that. Uh, Tony Todd, <laughs> who we always love, Kevin Sorbo, and not surprising, Jay Baruchel, who I heard rumor is going to test screen Goon 2 there. And if that's true, uh, it's already test. Uh, I, I, it's going to screen it. I, I heard it's already out in Canada, but it hasn't been released in the United States, which is a big mistake. I've been waiting for that film forever. I loved Goon. <clears throat> Jeremy Bullock, of course. John Cusack, who's been doing the circuit. He was at Monster Mania recently. John Bersnow. Um, the Oakley Dokleys, who I saw this year, and that's the metal band that dresses as Ned Flanders. Ned and Flanders? all their metal yeah. songs are... Yeah, and they base yeah. all their songs on on Simpsons too, Simpsons stories and yeah. Simpsons plots, and it's hysterical. Like he goes, "This one's called Mod." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's awesome, you know. You love me, you know, or or, or like this one's called Flanderdoodle. You know, it, it so much fun. I mean, they I, they opened for a band, uh, two bands, Metal Achi and uh, Black Max Sabbath. Max Sabbath was okay. Metal Achi rocked it. I highly recommend. No, they were mariachi band. They played in my metal. town a bunch. Oh, they play everywhere, and they are great. They've been around yeah. for a long time, actually. So, but Oakland Oakleys mm-hmm. totally were a great opening band for them. And it still goes on. Uh, Tia Carrera is going to be there. Uh, and then I just recently, when I was at Awesome Con, I won an old banner from two years ago, which was my first Awesome Con of James Marsters, the Spike from Buffy. I, I won a, a really nice canvas banner. I had to hang it up. Uh, and uh, she's going to be there, too. So that's on 7-7. So if you want to really geek out, that's a pretty good line for, for a pop culture, I would say. So... Uh, <laughs> Do you ever do media conventions outside of Scares That Cares, Mike? Um, I've done a bunch. I don't get out as much as I used to uh, so I can't afford it, especially when I'm in the middle of making a movie. Um, but I've done – I used to do Horror Find every year, um, Motor City Nightmares in Detroit. Uh, we went out to uh, Fright Night Film Festival out in um, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, to premiere Long Pig, our cannibal short a few years back. Um, we've done – uh, a couple local ones around here. The, we, we go all over the place. White Doomsday, I'm really hoping to travel a lot um, and just kind of go. With, I never get to. I want to go to Horror Hound and uh, Days of the Dead. I can never make it out to them, but if I have, you know, an excuse, then I can just say it's business, and then I can go out there. Well, and it'll be a good time. 
And, and I'll tell you, um, they also, Days of the Dead has a big announcement over the last, over our, between the broadcasts, and that is that they are expanding, and their new one is Charlotte, North Carolina, which for me, here in Maryland, is actually a reachable goal. I can get there in car relatively easy. I have people that live down there. Uh, so so they're, get, they're getting, they're moving their way north on this side of the Excellent. coast now. So. Um, you're in Pennsylvania. You're in Pennsylvania, yes. right? Yes. So you ever go? You should. You should join us. We're going to go to the Colonial Theater in the first weekend uh, the of September. Theater. Yeah. I, well, I went to Blobfest last uh, year for the first time, and and Blobfest. We've covered the Blobfest on the show twice, actually, because I I love classic horror, and Blobfest is a lot of fun. But they also do something called Italian Splatterfest, and we're going to yep. all be and there I miss for it that. Every year. So you should come. <laughs> I got to see Tremors there on 35mm, and I saw uh, Darkman nice. and something else. I can't remember what the other one was, but I the guy I know the guy that runs their horror selections. They play horror on 35mm like every weekend or every couple couple times a month. Like right now they're doing Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 as a double feature on 35. I think that's like next weekend. And I can't, I can never make yep. it. It's like a, that's like an hour, two hours away from me. So it's a little tough to just get up yeah, and well, go, especially think, when I work every day, but. But I think that too, but you can think about joining us this year because my friend, James Harris, who passed away, we're going to have an informal uh, party for him at, at the Colonial Theater this year. Uh, he was really Very one nice. of the inspirations for the Italian Splatterfest. So uh, I really, really want to be there this year. So I love how the, how this area, especially Pennsylvania, uh, this is a great segue. Uh, go uh, goes all out this time of year. Well, I'm still here. I think Liz just cut out. You hear you now? Sorry. Yeah, I, she I heard you now. <laughs> she, she'll <Yes>. call back. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, <laughs> her own oh, show drop. <laughs> If you're going to do There's a hard hound, definitely Indianapolis over Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati's yeah. big convention center type thing, but Indianapolis is more hotel and party atmosphere. Okay, cool. Yeah, I hear a lot of good things about all of them. Like, every, I think the uh, to get a vendor table at either of those is a huge waiting list. Same with Cinema Wasteland is one I always try to get to. Oh, we've, we've screened there like a half dozen times, and I never, I can never fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> When uh, was it last year or year before that you closed out the bar at Scares the Care? Because my ass was still um, up at 5.30 a.m. Last year, it was the year before. Uh, last year, me and Matt Hayward, who's a, a Irish musician, let's say familiar with him, he's, uh, his first book is coming out, um, I believe, at the show. He's premiering it. But we uh, nice. we were actually there when the uh, morning staff came back to the hotel and the other people were leaving. They're like, you two are still awake? And I'm like, no. And I looked at them like, it's like 10 a.m. I have to be at my table in like a half an hour, and I did not sleep. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a problem. So yeah, that's you know, usually it made for an interesting time. <laughs> uh, I definitely stay up later at Scares That Care than I do any place else. Yeah, I tend to find myself in uh, like a small group in a random room somewhere, and then I blink, and like 15 hours have gone by. I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, that's what happens good, when you stick time. a bunch of us geeks together. We ju- we can talk oh, yeah, our heads absolutely. off. <laughs> that's what always happens. And then, you know, like I said, it's a problem when you run a table. That's it's like, fine, Shit, man. I have to go through that now. <laughs> that's like that in Motor City Nightmares a lot, too. 
is like that's, actually, that's uh, honestly. What? Go ahead. Uh, Motor City Nightmares is a really great atmosphere too. When I was there the last time uh, we were playing the stall there, um, I ended up doing that, like geeking out with some people, met some filmmakers, and we ended up drinking all night. And I did not realize again. I was like, oh my god, I have to run the table like two hours. So I was I was still drunk when I was at the table, and I convinced a young couple. Uh, this was in my my younger and thinner days. Uh, they came up to me and said, "You look like Ryan Gosling." And I said, I am Ryan Gosling, so I was drunk, and I convinced this woman that I was actually Ryan Gosling, and she bought a bunch of stuff from me, and I signed everything as Ryan Gosling. It was <laughs> an interesting experience. That's awesome. amazing. Yeah, no one would mistake me for him now, <laughs> but back back then. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was a good time, making up on-set stories from the notebook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She said, man, she was a bitch to work with. I don't even remember what I said. I was so trashed at the time. Not one of my finer moments. Well, I have no idea what else Liz had on the calendar. <laughs> what else is coming I don't down either. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some film releases or something, but she's the one that plans this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. She's the leader. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do We're just here for entertainment. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm comic relief. I know that. I, I me too. <laughs> comic relief and, and bad sexual innuendos. Yeah, two of my specialties. <laughs> right. That's 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 why I'm the porn witch. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. One of one of a couple of different reasons why, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, let's what see. <laughs> what is being released this weekend in theaters? I can at least look that up yeah. and say. <laughs> okay. All right. We got this, Queenie. We can do it. Yeah, together. Together. The, together. The lost little wolves will figure it out. We will survive. <laughs> the pack will eat. That's why I got the werewitch here. <laughs> yeah, leader of the pack. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I can't roll my R's. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. All right. There you go. That's oh. like porn witch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can use my tongue in a variety of different ways. I know you can, girl. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> Well, I don't really see anything too horror-related coming up. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.